It's week 12 of the college football season, and the head coach's carousel has begun. Jimbo was fired at a tune of $77 million on the buyout. And then let's talk about the Heisman candidates. Let's start with Billy Napier. He's not going anywhere, right? And I do think, like, I think he's a good coach, and I think he's a good recruiter, and I think he could possibly work out long term, but you got to give him time. I don't know that the fans are willing to give him time, and with a Power 5 school in the SEC, if the noise gets loud enough, the school will make a change. But I kind of like, you know, what, uh, you know, Jimbo got fired today. Oh, he did? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you know, and Texas A&M's got a lot of money. They're going to pay him $77 million to go away. Is that 100% sorry. of that $77 million? Yeah. They owe him 19.2 up front and then 7.1 every year through 2031. What a retirement package that was. I'm telling you, man. Like, the wow. best job in the world is, the, I mean, legit, the best job in the world is a fired college football coach. Yeah. But they gave him plenty of time. I mean, it's not, it's, I'm not acting like they didn't give him plenty of time. They gave him five years, and it was basically the same crap every year. So they gave him more than enough time. Um, but with Napier, I don't know. I, I just think, like, what I'm tired of is year in and year out, I haven't seen an elite defense. We haven't had an elite defense since Muschamp left. Or got fired in yeah. really 2012. Yeah, their defense can't hold water right no, now. It's they, horrible. They, they need a lot and, of help on defense. And it, it cost us, a, it really cost us a shot at the national championship in 2020. I think we had the talent on offense to do it. The defense just was terrible. Um, 2021 and last year, you can say whatever you want, but. I mean, the defense just continues to be terrible, and we're on our third DC in three years. And some at some point, like you guys start seeing some progress. If I was able to sit here and say I've seen progress, I'd be like, okay, well, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You're just not seeing any progress. Yeah, because they got Missouri, then Florida State to close the season out. So that that could be brutal. Yeah, and I think the offense can hang for a little while as we saw against LSU. They can hang around for a little while, but eventually like you need the defense to help you out. Yes. Against really good offensive teams. So and the defense can't get off the field, they're gonna be that much wore out. Yeah, they had a couple guys uh from the recruiting class flip over the weekend, so that probably didn't help things. Um so they're trying they're hanging on trying to hang on to this recruiting class that they got it's still top five um and they need to i mean if this if this recruiting class falls apart then you might as well go ahead and let napier go now yeah yeah because i was looking at his background i wasn't that familiar with it and i mean he looked like he had some uh lightning in the bottle with the cajuns before he went to the sec so he looked like he had the pedigree to him yeah something's not clicking the just, defense definitely is not. Well, here's the thing. So there's in college football now there's two ways you can do things. You can either go to the transfer portal like some teams have and flip your roster really quick, or you can rely on 
recruiting, which Napier has gone to the portal for a few guys. And those guys are, for the most part, impact guys on the team. You got Ricky Pearsall, the wide receiver, one of the running backs, Montreal Johnson. Uh, last year we had an All-American offensive guard who transferred from Louisiana. So he, he's really good at evaluating talent, but he's he's made his bed and he's made his, he made his decision last year that he's going to build the team through high school recruiting and not the transfer portal, which I do think is the best way to go long term. Yeah. It's just, again, it's some whether or not they're going to give him time. Now, he's got a good coaching tenure. I mean, he won the uh, won two championships, four yeah, division I he, titles. I believe. I think he had yeah, he four division titles, two championships. I think one of them was a shared somehow a shared championship. I'm not really sure how that worked. I think it was the twenty. I think it was season. the COVID year. I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, yeah, but the year before the year he left, he outright they won a championship, and the only game they lost that year was to. Uh, Texas, I believe, which obviously they had no shot in that game. But and he worked for Saban. He was on, uh, he was on sta- Saban's staff in 2011, and then Saban specifically sent him with J- Jim McElwain to Colorado State for a year or two. Um, and then he came back to Saban's staff in 14 and 15. 16, 17, I think. I think he was there four more years, something like that. Or no, 17, he was at Arizona State as an OC. But before that, he was OC at Clemson. So, I mean, the guy has been, it's not like he doesn't have a ton of experience. He doesn't have a ton of head coaching experience. Plenty of experience as a coach. So there's really no excuse for some of the things that we're seeing. Um, but, but defensively, I just, I don't know, man. You gotta get a handle on it. Fix it. Yeah, I don't know how you fix it. Just right now, they look like the USC of the SEC, and the SEC has defenses. Yeah, you're not gonna win many games. I mean, we've seen it with LSU, right? Exactly. They can score, but they can't hold. All right, their defense is terrible, just like ours. And uh, who they play? They played Alabama. All Alabama had to do was get a couple stops. Because their offense is good enough to hang with anybody, but Alabama pretty much shut them down for the most part. Who else did they lose to? Oh, FSU, first game of the season. So, and they lost to someone else too, didn't they? They got three losses, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you are correct. Well, like you said, you, at some point in this league, you have to be able to play defense. This isn't like the Big Twelve or Ole Miss, fifty-five, forty-nine. Yeah, another another team that. Doesn't play defense, but they yeah. were able to. It's basically the first one, last one to have the ball pretty much in that game. Yep. Predictable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, you know, I still personally think he's possibly the right guy. I don't know that one for sure, one way or the other, but I think you got to let it play out. You know, I mean, at this point. If you if you start cycling through coaches every two years, then you're never gonna you're never gonna make progress. Yeah, if he closes the season five and seven and no bowl game, you think he's gone? No, I think he's still there next year. I think a lot of things are gonna happen in the off season. They I mean, better come out on fire first first game. Yeah, I think I, I do think he's gonna hire a, a 
a true offensive coordinator um, from everything that I've been seeing. That is definitely a for sure thing. And then I think he's going to probably purge some of the roster. He's got to get rid of some guys just to make room for the recruiting class. Right. So some guys need to graduate, move on, that sort of thing. Touch on Tennessee for a moment. The miserable showing against Missouri, 36-7, does not look good for them moving up to Knoxville this week with the Bulldogs coming to town. And I was looking at this, and I was thinking, uh, how many times or have they ever lost back-to-back to ranked teams? And uh, I surprised myself. I thought I was on to a... Uh, a neat fact, but it's definitely not one because they have uh, multiple seasons in the last decade lost back-to-back to top 25 teams, and they're about to do it again. The Bulldogs are going to pick them to the woodshed because they put a handling on Ole Miss this weekend at 52-17, set them on the plane back to Mississippi. Yeah. You know, it, it's really surprising Georgia fans were really worried about this game. Not not this one, but the Ole Miss game. I, I was wondering about the secondary getting it in, and I think to your point uh, about three shows ago, you mentioned where's the other five-star recruits at? And some of them came into the game this week, not just as subs. They had to start, and mm-hmm. they started lighting it up. Yeah, that's the um... – that's that's the product of of recruiting at a high level. Um, you have guys like that. You just plug and play. The next man up. You can have that mentality. Um, a lot of Georgia fans were worried about this game. I never thought that it was in doubt. I never thought it'd be close. And I don't think this week's game is going to be close either. The spread's at ten and a half. Um, you probably won't make much, but I would bet my mortgage on that. I'd be willing to bet Georgia probably wins this game by thirty. Easily, especially after Tennessee's showing against Mizzou. Yeah. I think, that was a bad showing on their part. Yeah, I don't think Joe Milton's a good quarterback. I think Carson Beck is kind of hitting his stride. I mean, he. I saw a stat that said uh, Ole Miss, I think it was Ole Miss, didn't even come close. They didn't even touch him No, the entire game. No, he he slid and got his jersey dirty. Yeah, but other yeah, I saw that play. But other than that, there was no pressure, no yeah. sacks. He never no got hurries. no knocks, nothing. That's insane. Even for even as good as that line is, you know, eventually you get a you know someone's got to get through. Yeah, yeah. Just, but like you said, Ole Miss is kind of defense optional. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I couldn't name a. Uh, I, I follow this stuff pretty closely. I couldn't tell you. A, a star or standout player on that defense. There's plenty of uh, chatter in the news about Michigan, Jim Harbaugh being suspended for three games. It looked like the judge didn't issue a stay to, as of this recording, so we may not see him through the rest of the regular season here. But they still handled uh, Penn State 24-15. I didn't think that was unexpected. It uh, seemed like they were kind of not firing as they normally should. I figured they'd probably have put at least 35 points up, but yeah. still it's a win. I still think they beat Ohio State. 
I still think they're the best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, I agree. Um, this week, this past week was Michigan's first real test against anybody all season. Um, and they, they pulled out the victory. I didn't watch the game. I didn't think they would lose uh, going into it. Um, and I don't think Jim Harbaugh being there really matters all that much. If anything, it gives the team more motivation to win. Um, cause he doesn't, I mean, he has an input on the offense, but he doesn't call plays. It's not calling, it's not like he's calling defense or offense. So does the head coach be in there matter? Yes. But I, in this case, I think they'll be okay. And when it's all said and done, I don't think the whole discipline thing's over. I think that was just a knee jerk thing to appease the other schools. Yeah, that was the league. Big Ten making a move against their own rules, supposedly. I'm not versed in all the rules in detail, but, you know, a lot of people are saying that it's, they're wrong. It's a a process and they didn't follow the process. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. The other notable that I caught the shot in the podcast and did not take the pick Oklahoma State Cowboys almost got shut out to five and five US UCF. <laughs> yeah. Forty five to three. They're good for one every year. I I just I'm t- <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't know what happened. I did not catch this game, unfortunately, but it was UCF put a stomping on them. I saw the score early. I mean they were we're, this game was never in doubt. They yeah, they were they were up early. three scores early. Yeah, UCF's good for one. So last week, Miami kind of took FSU deep into the fourth quarter until their quarterback got hurt. Um, they got oh. Louisville this week. But Louisville had one game where they didn't show up, and that's the loss on their record. Uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if Miami can somehow stick with them Maybe pull the upset. Not that that's what I want to see, but it'd be interesting. I'm telling you, James Madison's rolling this year. I don't know about the quality of the teams they're playing, but they're getting the job done. Yeah. I think they're in the Sun Belt. Um, For a team that's only in year one or year two of moving up divisions, I think it's impressive. And then you got the Battle of the Carolinas, North Carolina and Clemson. What do you think about that? I think Clemson has a good enough team to win this game. You uh, think it's, it's a flip? A pick em. Yeah. North Carolina's been playing some weird football. Didn't their uh, starting quarterback get knocked out a couple of weeks ago? So they were running their secondary, number two and number three guy? I'm not sure. If we use my transitive property of college football... Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon State should put up a good fight against Washington. Yep. Seeing how they, they beat Utah. I don't think they can outscore them. That's what will happen here. I don't think so either, but you never know. Uh, and this would be a game that Texas would lose. Texas at Iowa State. Oh, it's one of those? Kind of like yeah. Central Florida? Yeah, kind of like the Central Florida game. This is This is one of those games they would just lose. Arizona Utah, that should be a good game, I think. Yeah, I'm curious about that one. I think that's going to be a flip. 
Arizona at home, they only giving them one over under is 44 and a half currently. Yeah. Like I said before, Arizona was a dark horse. This might be the next one they pick up. But they are yeah. five and two league play. Yeah. To think about it. I'm really not sure how Tennessee is still ranked as high as they are. I think they should be lower. They probably won't be that high after this weekend. No, they'll be seven and four with three really bad losses. Yes, uh, to all ranked teams. Let me go on a gripe here for a moment. Yeah, sure. I got a gripe for you too when you finish. So the Heisman chatter has started. Ohio State, of course. Marvin Harris Jr. Now, I'm not Mar- knocking Marvin Harris Jr. As much as I'm knocking Ohio State University. In the politics of the media, because he is not the Heisman candidate we think he is. He's a great player. He's putting up numbers, but when you almost take Double the snaps and receptions being thrown to compared to the tight end. You get 59 receptions for 1,063 yards, and the next closest guy in receptions is your tight end at 34 and 500 yards. You're the only one getting thrown to. I'm sorry. In case in point, Washington Huskies has two, two, thousand yard receivers not one two and they their third fourth and fifth guys is the next two are wide receiver wide receiver fifth guys the tight end the check down guy and they got some nice number of receptions yardage is kind of expected for the offensive scheme you don't see that with Ohio State they're throwing the ball to Marvin Harrison or they're not throwing the ball. Yeah. I mean, they're literally, in comparison, 260 to 205 on receptions. 2,900 to 3,800 yards for Washington. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. 1,400 yards rushing versus 13, 1,259. Very comparable. I, yeah. I don't. I mean, Ohio State, I mean, they're only thing you hang your hand on is Penn State, which is a good team. But you're going to call Heisman and I'm number one in the country with that schedule? Yeah. No, thank you. Well, I think the problem with the Heisman Trophy is it's gotten away from like what it, I guess, was intended. Um, Because <clears throat> it's supposed to be about the most outstanding player in the country, not the best player on the best team or the best player on one of the best teams. Martin I mean, Harrison Jr. is the best player on that team. Yes. I'll give you that. Uh, agreed. He, he is standout, the number one player on that team, but he is, I, I would not compare him. He would not compare in my book to Penix Jr. in the show he's putting on up there. I mean, that looks, looks like the greatest show on turf, but outdoors. Right. I mean, if you change a few schemes to that program, I mean, it looks just like St. Louis Rams almost. Yeah. And two, like, 
you could look at, I think Jaden Daniels may be uh, in the, he's in the conversation. Yeah. According to USA Today, he's plus 700. Marvin Harrison's plus 500. Penix is 275. And right now leading the Heisman odds is Bo Nix, which is absolutely. That makes no sense. Crazy to me. I mean, he's having a spectacular season. Don't get me wrong, but um, I think he is one of the best players in the country. He elevates the guys around him. Um, not saying Washington has bad players or anything. I think they, they do a pretty good job. But if I had to say right now, like it would be between Penix, Penix and uh, probably Daniels at LSU. I think Daniels is good for a couple wins this season for LSU. And I don't think I don't think Beck is that far off either. If we're just talking quarterbacks, um, I just have a hard time with Beck because he's surrounded by immense talent. Yeah. To I, I don't think Beck's. I mean, he might have crept into the conversation, but I just. Well, he's plus three thousand right now. He's just sitting at number five according to USA USA Today in the odds. I mean, Daniels looks good on paper, but. He's taking twenty sacks too, so it's it's a question mark. Four interceptions. Yeah, his offensive line is not that good. Yeah, because they've lost. Florida was able to get get to him. Yeah, the three ranked teams. It's probably due to sacks, pressure, and uh, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like the trophy, in my mind, was never meant for the best player on the best team. Okay, so here's the. LSU receiving number. So they they talk about Marvin Harrison here. Neighbors for LSU's got 72 receptions, almost 1,300 yards. And they do have another 1,000-yard guy. He's sort of 918 yards, 51 receptions. So Brian Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're just dribbling the ball. They just can't keep pressure off of them, and they can't – defense optional, like we said a little while ago. Yeah. They said if you had someone else starting – for LSU right now, say the backup Gus uh, Nussmeyer. Mm-hmm. If he was starting, I, I don't think they're what seven and three right now. Yes, they're probably closer to five, five and five. five. Nothing against that kid; he just doesn't bring the same. Shazam! Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't gotta, make the same plays. You got to have that Shazam. Yeah, there's an it factor for sure. Yeah, you get that right. So, what's your beef? Uh. Mississippi State fired Zach Garnett 11 games into it or 10 games into his first year as a head coach. What's their current record? I have not followed Mississippi State. I think they're like 2 and 8. 2 and 8. They're not good. But my my problem with that is is why did you hire the guy in the first place? He yeah. was a holder. He so Mike Leach had his thing. He passed away last year. He was Arnett was on staff, so instead of doing what you really wanted to do and going out and finding a coach to hire, you decided to hire this guy, knowing from the jump you were never going to retain him very long. I think that's just dirty. I know that it's a business and all that, but it's really dirty. Like If you're going to hire the guy, then give him a legit shot. They never gave him a legit shot. You don't fire a guy 10 games into his first season. You give them typically two years. At least two years. Or a year and 
in some some case a year and a half. It just depends on how bad it is. You think this is just a setup to bring Jimbo over? No. No, Jimbo's going to ride off into the sunset with his $7 million a year for the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of people out there, you never know with this stuff, a lot of people out there already today are saying that the first call they need to make is Dan Mullen. Well, he can't even he, coach for you, right? He's got a one-year uh, clause he's on got a He's got a one-year show cause that everybody forgets about. It, and it doesn't mean he can't coach. It just means that the, um, I think the commissioner would have to, commissioner would have to sign off on it. I think. Don't quote me on that. But I just think I just think that was a really dirty move. Um, Lane Kiffin's not like leaving Ole Miss to go to the rival. That's not happening. I think there are some good up and coming G five coaches, but. The SEC is just a different animal, and the SEC West is is even more so a different animal. It's just in Mississippi State, you got to kind of have like what are your expectations? I think like the real expectations at a school need to be very clear because like Mississippi State's not winning championships. Sorry, it's just not happening. No time soon. No time soon. I mean, you may luck into one. Uh. I can't remember the last time they were in the SEC championship. I want to say maybe in the 90s. I can't either. And with the league expanding next year? Yeah. And you're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma. So that that slim shot you had gets even slimmer. Yeah. Again, I just think I think that was, that was a dirty move. Uh, I don't like it. Now, maybe there's some stuff going on behind the scenes that I don't know about. But on the surface, it just looks not It's like good. a shank. Yeah. Yeah, Jimbo. Jimbo's out. Um, I've been hearing rumblings that Sam Pittman's out. I don't know if that's official. Uh, Brian Kelly won't last long at uh, LSU. LSU. That's the rate they're going. At least in the SEC, I think most, other than the ones that have already been let go, Shane Beamer, possibly Sam Pittman. I don't see anything official about him being fired. So wow, they're two and five, South Carolina. Okay. How long has he been yeah. in South Carolina? Is this is this his second year? I think this is year three, Ooh. three or four. Yeah, three because uh, Muschamp got fired the COVID year. Okay. But again, you look at a team like South Carolina, and they're looking at it through the wrong lens. They're looking at it through the Spurrier lens, and even Spurrier. He's funny. Years, he's, yeah. he's he's I think he's the winningest coach at two different schools. And he had outside of three years when he had Jadavion Clowney and uh some guys on offense, uh they were pretty mediocre. You know, seven and six, eight and four most of the time. And he's a good head football coach, but you're taking a guy who a really good head football coach. You put him in a less than ideal situation at a school that has no real expectations. And now you're judging everybody else based on those three years in a 11-year tenure. Doesn't make sense. True. True that. And you can make the same argument really about a lot of schools. Florida. And let's be honest. Outside of the 90s, in the Meyer years. Got Meyer, Spurrier, 
There's a lot of winning in championships. Yeah. That's what you're basing your expectations on. I think it's unrealistic. Do I expect to win championships? Yeah, I do. Do I think Florida can do it? Yeah, I do, because I've seen it done. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to reach us, you can find us on X, formerly known as Twitter, or email us at primecohesion at gmail.com. And thank you for stopping by and